Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another segment of the PI Window on the World. I'm your host, John Hansen. And I've got to tell you, I'm looking forward to having Tanya Siri uh, join us today because, as you'll recall, it wasn't that long ago. I think it was a matter of a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, Tanya came online to talk about uh, her upcoming Procurious Big Ideas Conference as well as where the industry is going. Now, what I usually like to do when, when we do a, a story is, is not just talk about what's going on at front and, you know, all the, the – the, I, I don't know if hoopless is the right word to call it, but certainly the excitement announcing a new event. But I also like going on the other side of that story to see what happened, how did it go, what were the expectations and how were they met or, or, or not met. Uh, and, and so today's show is going to be kind of interesting because we now have – uh, the ability to view the Big Ideas Conference through the lens of actual experience. And so Tanya will be joining us in just a moment. I want to remind everybody, of course, that we're broadcasting live over the virtual airwaves of the Blog Talk Radio Network through our studios in New York City. And what that means, of course, is if you're able to join us live, well, that's terrific. We're always, always glad to have you. However, if your schedule is not conducive to tuning in now, that's not a problem because with Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio in general, but Blog Talk, uh, you know, you can actually tune in at your own convenience on an on-demand basis because this entire broadcast is being recorded. So just keep that in mind. So if you're listening to us live, welcome. If you're listening to us on recording, welcome anyway. So without further delay, here is Tanya Searing. And uh, Tanya, it seems like we just did this not that long ago. <laughs> well, it's great to catch up again. Thank you. Well, I, and, I, and I would imagine catching up and, and also catching your breath, because from what I witnessed with the participation at the Big Ideas Summit, the Twitter accounts uh, were, were with the hashtags were going and the updates, <laughs> that, that it was a pretty busy and hectic time, wasn't it? It was. I think uh, our stats showed us that on that day, our hashtag was tweeted about 1,500 times and we reached about 4.3 million individuals. <laughs> so uh, it was very uh, successful in terms of a, a digital conference, which, uh, of course, is one of the big differences about big ideas. See, the thing I have to ask, and this is one of the things afterwards, you know, you always think of, gee, the questions you don't ask. <laughs> Your Procurus is relatively new. There's been the Gartners, the Aberdeens, there's been all these organizations, associations, etc., but nobody's done this before. Why is that? Because well, it sounds like a great idea, and it turns out that it, it, it was. <laughs> well, hopefully. But, I mean, I think we've got to remember that this technology has not been available before. So the ability to be social and to have a two-way conversation and to amplify messages, you know, these are all new tools uh, that are available to us. And I guess the team at Procurious are really wanting to encourage the procurement profession to, to get involved with social media because we think it's a great tool uh, for a whole range of reasons one just to promote yourself and your your career but some really important uh, drivers around uh, managing uh, supply chain disruptions and and collaborating as a community 
Okay, now you know I have to ask this because this kind of segues nicely into into the first question I want to ask from from the standpoint of the generational divide. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the older generation, the newer generation. You mentioned that uh, again, social media, and it's been around. Twitter's been around for a while. The the internet has mm. been around. The the social groups have been around for such a long, long time. If if, if it, is it the emergence of this generation next that has sort of propelled the, the the confidence? I mean, look, you and I are both young. I'm going to say that, right? <laughs> we are. Uh, but, but let's. Well, you know, but if I look on the procurer's side, look at the, the faces, there's a good balanced mix of, of what you can call uh, veteran procurement professionals, but there also seems to be, uh, a, a, and this is empirical in, in terms of, of, of observing this, but there also seems to be more so with procurers than, than in other traditional streams, uh, a much larger representation of the new generation. I mean, was that in part the impetus behind, uh, behind this, this, this big idea summit? Well, absolutely, and for for the whole community, Procurious, because, um, you know, we really believe, you and I believe in Generation Next, but one thing I wanted to share was there was hot debate at Big Ideas whether millennials were actually a myth, um, but we'll come back to that. But absolutely, I think that millennials or our next generation feel very comfortable going online and asking questions and and accepting the answers back from the uh, the ether and I mean I've just got some information here that we've had something like 770 questions asked and three and a half thousand answers provided and that's one of the most popular parts of the Procurious community is this Q&A so you know that's something that um, the Generation Next feel very comfortable doing and I think it's important there's some sort of outlet for them to ask questions as they're developing in the profession um, so back to the conference I mean so yes there was some debate whether Generation Next was actually a myth but the poor old um, let's call them veterans did get a bit of a battering so to speak um, we were characterised as the the frozen middle uh, that lacks muscle and um, has uh, very little scope to address the scale of wait, the wait a wickedness wait a second. problems. Wait. <laughs> I, I've got to interrupt there. I've got to interrupt there, you know, because the lights just went off. The frozen middle. That, that is the muscle. first time I've heard that term. But as soon as you said that, as soon as mm. you said that, all of a sudden it's like, yes, this is the perfect name for it, the frozen middle. Isn't mm. it? I mean, like, so, okay. Exactly, so unfortunately. Did you just come well, up with I that Well, I wish yourself? mine was frozen. No, no, no. This is something from one of our fantastic speakers, Nick Gowing, who spoke about thinking right. the unthinkables. And he's interviewed 60 executives around the world um, about thinking the unthinkable and exploring all these unthinkable events and how inadequately senior leaders have um, not been able to see it coming and then haven't responded effectively. So we talked a lot about that and how the frozen middle was stuck in this paradigm that wasn't able to uh, allow them to, to see or manage these events. And I guess my own personal insight was, well, does this therefore mean that millennials or the generation next actually aren't stuck in this mindset and actually could have handle uh, these unthinkable events a lot better but I think this is the real challenge for procurement professionals is um, you know how do we manage these supply chain disruptions and things that are coming from left field okay now let, let me give you something from further left 
I was speaking at a conference in Virginia last uh, November, and I asked the question. I usually ask the question many years ago. I'd say, how many of you chose to be in the profession? And if you got maybe one or two arms out of a room of 100, you were lucky. Everyone seems to fall into it. It, mm. What I noticed lately, and what I noticed at that conference, I said, how many of you chose to be in profession? About three-quarters of the room, hand went up. I then asked the following yes. question, if you had it to do all over again, <laughs> how many of you would choose procurement as a career? 50% said they would not choose it as a career. Oh, where were you? Who are these people? It's the best career this on was, the planet. This, this is Virginia. This is the Virginia Forum, the Virginia <laughs> Conference, public sector. Uh, and so I'm going to throw that in there now because the mm. group was a mix of young and old. And what was mm. interesting in terms of that response is there was an me- equal mix of people who had been senior who see changes happening that that's not for us. Mm. Who's saying, you know, mm. if I, you know, given where we are today, I wouldn't do it. And then there was some mm. of them were the younger generation who become disillusioned. So, you mm. know, if you look at that kind, what kind of impact does that have on your, 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 your stuck in the middle thing? <laughs> Well, I guess one thing I wanted to share today is I think that being frozen in the middle is a bit of a mindset issue. And I think what occurred to me and, you know, the big surprise for me, I guess, out of the Big Ideas Summit was that, um, you know, it's clear that as a profession we need to really make a seismic shift in our ability to spot, identify, handle all these unexpected events. And we really need to recalibrate ourselves. But I don't think that's a a generational issue. I think what came out of me for Big Ideas was that we need to develop an attitude more than any particular new skill set. And I think that attitude is courage. Do you know, I think that the type of people we need in the profession now is is those who can be bold and can actually, you know, take a stance on some things. And I've done a bit of thinking around that if you want me to share it. So I think that it's it's more of an attitude um, that we need in the profession, uh, you know, as well as being the smartest guys in the room, as I think I mentioned last time. Okay, so it's almost like the... The, and, and I wrote about this many years ago, the Rodney Dangerfield, I get no respect kind of an attitude. What you're saying is, is that these, well, you know, it's like, can we, can we come in? Can we have a seat at the table? Let us say, you know, it's almost like an apologetic uh, request. What you're saying is, is that we, we have to surrender those kinds of past attitudes and embrace the new attitudes of making a difference. Yet with this 50-50 split, we're also indicating that, look, you know, the, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the generation next, will they possess maybe inherently the, 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 the ability to uh, abandon those past uh, attitudes if they're placed in a position with an organization where those are prevalent, that they can ultimately sort of somewhat mute the enthusiasm or stifle the flame, if you will, mm. uh, if not extinguish it, of that the, the, the generation next. So is, is this yeah. something where you would say with generation next, when you're choosing an organization to work for, look for the ones that aren't frozen in the middle? <laughs> By the way, stuck in the, in the middle. middle. Stuck in the Middle is a song from Steeler's Wheels, just for you fans who are listening to music, which is an old-time hit. But, but, but it, it, that's really where it's important as well, because the organizational perspective, the top-down, well, that, that, that can have right. an effect too. 
Okay. And I think this work that Nick Gowing's doing in educating organisations that they they do are suffering from some myopia and that they do have to open their minds and accept new forms of leadership. And, you know, whether that new form of leadership is a millennial or a veteran, um, you know, it doesn't matter because as long as they can have the courage. And, and you know, if you're happy for me to summarise some of the the issues that I think people have to be brave about at the moment is obviously challenging these current leadership paradigms and embracing the unthinkable. But, you know, if you look at technology and these are some of the issues that came out, you know, we're moving, you know, obviously shifting technology to the cloud. Everyone's talking about systems and networks being open, not closed. And I think the digital manufacturing discussion was really uh, insightful and just how um, how really digital manufacturing is really going to drive vertical integration and see a lot of consolidation in the supply base and then also move manufacturing close to home. Um, I think we're going to have the courage to lead these diverse teams, which include millennials, closed thinkers, open thinkers. But also, we had um, the head of um, politics for Facebook for Europe and the Middle East, and she talked about the conversation century. And really, the courage there is that leaders and global CPOs today need to have the courage to have an online conversation with you know their employees and all their stakeholders and and that's another skill set again well you see now this is an interesting point that that, that 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 you're making a number of areas upon which to focus because one of the things that popped up for me when you talked about technology is is it are you seeing then the, the mindset shifting from one where procurement is a slave to technology, where technology is more being a slave to, 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 to procurement? What I mean by that is in the past, procurement people would almost always acquiesce and, 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 and throw a hot potato saying, okay, we don't want to take ownership of the technological advancement or the utilization of technolo technology or the processes mm. involved. In it. We're going to sort of pass it over to the vendor uh, and and they're going to make it work. And of course, the vendors' mindset, and we we we've all seen the other side where uh, I'll win the business first and work worry about making it work afterwards. But you can't make something work if you don't have involvement and and proactive involvement from 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 the procurement side of the equation. So are you seeing that yeah. that's changing now as a result of confidence and saying, look, technology is important. But guess what? When we talk about open technology, when we talk about the cloud by and large, is becoming highly commoditized across the board. Mm. The real driving yes. force and differentiator is us. We as procurement yes. can no longer, let's go back to that frozen in the middle mindset, we can no longer just say it's, it, it, it's like, uh, no, you know the belt and suspender story, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. We can't live by that mm. rule anymore. We have to take the initiative. No. That's what you're talking about getting unstuck, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I mean, Procurecom were kind enough to ask me to host their IT conference in Amsterdam last year. And that came out loud and clear is that those uh, IT procurement professionals are really creating optionality for their organisations. I mean, they're being re very proactive, uh, creating multiple uh, relationships, being able to move in and out of um, you know vendors and different um, you know arrangements and I was 
super impressed with uh, how agile they were with those arrangements. So I think, yes, the cloud and all these other things are making people uh, realise. And I think everyone's been through, you know, been burnt so badly, haven't they, with these major implementations and tailoring these systems. You know, the swing definitely now is vanilla, open, cloud, and uh, looking at other things, which are the differentiators. And um, I think that brings me to sort of innovation. And I think, you know, some of the conversation Cooper had at the Big Ideas was about visibility into your supply base. And as we all know, a lot of the innovation these days are coming from our smaller suppliers. And I sort of joke that it's now sort of the tail wagging the dog because you know, traditionally as procurement professionals, we look at the tail as something that we sort of package up in a box and put on a P card, whereas now we actually have to look at those suppliers as potentially our strategic suppliers and our transactional suppliers and work with them to um, to drive innovation. Okay, now there's a couple other things. And this is what I love about our conversations because they can go into so many areas. But, <laughs> but one of the things... Uh, one of the things, I, there's two questions. I'm going to say them now, and then I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on, on, on both. But one is, how does the older generation see this in relation to the new generation? How does that affect the relationship? And I'll, I'll explain that question in a moment. But on this other mm -hmm. side, you said something that was interesting that was two to five years ago unheard of. And you did in the same breath as you mentioned Coupa. You'd mentioned that, look at all the failures that have happened out there in the industry. Uh, things are mm -hmm. becoming more vanilla. You know, Two to five years ago, no one would dare to ever say that or mention the failures. No one would address the elephant in the room, largely we were because, in the bubble, you know, yeah. well, you don't want, and you don't want to, like for yourself with this, uh, with this big ideas conference, you don't want to alienate mm. uh, potential, you know, I've written a series of articles on Theranos saying, you know, the media, <laughs> is yes. they, are they too I'm close? You. <laughs> okay, so does, is this the beginning also of 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 of, of uh, the melting of the frozen middle because now we're coming forward <laughs> and as as a profession we're starting to say wait a second there's been all kinds of gaffes that have happened there have been mix-ups and yes even though the 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 the, the service providers or solution providers uh, can fund us and sponsor us and do all of these other kinds of things we can no longer turn a blind eye to this I mean is, is that part of the, the 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 loosening up or the melting of of, of that frozen section as well. <laughs> You're loving this frozen middle, aren't you? I can see oh, yeah, you're absolutely. really going to dissect this. In, <laughs> in fact, if I didn't have so many listeners, I would start writing it. And you know the the old saying, originality is your ability to conceal your source. I'm just kidding. But you know, I think it, I think it's a brilliant description. I think I do love it. And you know, like Rain Man, I'm being repetitive, but I think I do love it. But, but like, no. is that part of it? Okay, so there are a couple of things in your last comment that I'd like to uh, to explore. So firstly, I think that it's always far too easy to blame the software vendor. Uh, you know, it's always easy to uh, blame the supplier. However, I think when we look at a lot of these implementations, the actual corporations have a lot to answer for. And I've been, 
you know, I've been one of them and I've worked with these organisations. What happens time and time again is that companies forget that a technology rollout is actually a change management process. It's not about the technology, it's about changing people's behaviours and they have to understand why the technology is being rolled out so they can uh, use it effectively. You know, the actual tactical part of using a system sort of the last five percent people need to know why and how so what happens in these large corporations is the business case goes forward for all these cost savings based usually on headcount and of course you know the the business case gets shaved and tailored and the first line always to go out is the change management and the implementation. So companies almost set themselves up for failure. They still want to reap the benefits of the technology rollout but they don't invest in the change management. So that's a bit of a hobby horse of mine, John, so that's one point. Um, now I've been looking forward to hearing um, about your Theranos um, example because, you know, with the 140 character tweet, I wasn't quite sure what you were, uh, you know, involving me in. But I have read your blog and maybe if you elaborate, what's your concern? Are you concerned that procurement uh, publications or organisations uh, will be similarly swayed by providers and not... Uh, provide a full disclosure or a um, you know a, an unbiased critique. Is See, that I knew what I love you for this. I, I know I love you having you on the show because now you're wearing the mic and I'm the I'm the guest. So you know I feel good and I'm I'm waiting for my coffee. No, and that's exactly the point. And it goes back to what I had, had mentioned earlier, what you mentioned on the uh, earlier about vanilla solutions. Which you mentioned mm. earlier in, in regards to the fact that we can't lead with technology. And you're, you're quite right in saying that the, uh, the responsibility doesn't fall solely on the service providers. Although I do believe, and I want to expand on this, I do believe that, it, and Tim Cummins said it best, it, it, at the top level, uh, people come together and, and they lie to each other about what they can do, by when they can do it, and for how much money they can do it. I thought it was a great piece written by Tim Cummings a number of years ago. And so I think what happens is, is that these change management, these goals come out from the customer saying, this is what you need to get the business. This is what you, we need for you to get the business, to justify the budget. And the service providers, knowing that that is not necessarily possible, knowing that they don't have the proper framework set up for change management, knowing that mm -hmm. they haven't set the, 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 the foundation or the guidelines in place, uh, for change management, say, okay, we can do that, even though they know they probably can't. That's been the mm -hmm. win the business first, worry about making it work later scenario. The mm -hmm. trouble, and this leads into the Theranos thing, is that nobody reports on this. Nobody talks about the mm -hmm. failed implementations. No one talks about the challenges with it. Now, this leads to the big debate about the post I wrote yesterday. Uh, in, 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 in many oh, well, I haven't read that. Sorry. Yes. Oh, okay. See, they, they, that's the third in the series. In many instances, mm. what happens is, what happens is, is that the objectivity is that you, you look at, at, at blogs or you look at, at, at companies that rely on, on the service providers to pay for things or sponsor them or keep the lights on. Uh, and, the, mm. and, and the procurement professionals, practitioners, aren't willing to pay anything. So somewhere along the line to keep the lights on, somebody's got to pay for this stuff. I mean, we're seeing it mm. in newspapers and televisions, right? Newspapers yeah. folding up. People aren't willing to pay it. Well, so here's the thing. If you mm. take a sponsorship dollar, if you take money, or if you depend upon the service mm. provider community uh, to fund your projects, to fund your conferences, to fund your coverage, mm. 
are you going to be likely to write something negative about them, even if it's true? Are you going to be right? Are you going to tell the whole story? And and historically speaking, uh, you know that hasn't been the case. The, the stories haven't gone out. The 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 references in the Magic Quadrants, for example, I'm not picking on Gartner, haven't turned around and, and said, okay, here's Magic Quadrant, but these are the people who are clients, and the the, the up and coming technologies may not be included, or these clients who have been in Magic Quadrant, have had these colossal failures over here. They've never done mm-hmm. that coverage. They've kept it isolated. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. And the Theranos story was much the same way. Uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, covered a story and asked tough questions that should have been asked by the Silicon Valley media. So, you know, mm-hmm. But they weren't. And the, the suggestion then is, is if that story, if the tough questions had been asked earlier, if the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the facts had been sought out earlier, then maybe part of that issue could have been mitigated with Theranos. And certainly, mm. I have to believe that a lot of the missteps and the failures that occurred uh, in, in, in the e-procurement world, which you talked about, the failures. And it doesn't matter whose fault, because I think it's a collective fault. I don't think you can yep. beat up the supplier or the, the, the service providers. I mean, the 2005 Fortune magazine article that I, I wrote a piece about in a white paper on said that, you know, uh, the, the practitioners, the end customers have had it up to here with software providers because they deliver inferior product late and at over budget. And this was a 2005 mm. Fortune magazine article. I don't think you can do that if you're not willing to take the ownership as a practitioner for your own success like what they did and I cite this many times Virginia's EVA program they took ownership of it they followed what you talked about before and a change management progress program they engaged people before they implemented the technology and they knew and they mm. took the ownership of what their goals were and the execution of mm. those goals but mm. I think that that's really you know I think that's where the breakdown is I don't think mm. and correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think the, the coverage of what's going on in our media or in our industry has been uh, has been as thorough as it could be, mm. and largely based upon the fact that the the the, the Silicon Valley Theranos type relationships uh, are strong. Now, again, can we blame <laughs> the the publications if nobody's going to pay for them? You know, if the, if the <laughs> practitioners aren't going to pay for it, somebody's got to foot that bill, and, and and therein lies the chicken or the egg syndrome. Mm. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Um, but I guess my point is, and to be cheeky, is does it matter? Because from my perspective, the procurement professionals that I've worked with over the last 15 years are not going to look at one report and make a decision based on that. And as a commercial savvy operator, you're going to be quite sceptical of anything you read anyway. And so I guess coming from you know what I believe in is this is the power of your network and this is what I've seen time and time again in our round tables and other meetings is that we actually talk about technology and implementations and other categories and people share their experiences and that's what you can learn from your network and if it becomes you know, uh, you know, takes too much time. People take it offline, and that's what the software providers and any supplier has to be aware of. Is obviously the market talks. So, you know, I think that we need to give procurement professionals making these decisions due credit that they're not just going to blindly go on one or two reports, and that they do have a very keen uh, sense of uh, well, they're, they're skeptics and will verify and I think using your network is the ideal way to get this sort of information on on 
you know, whether people walk the talk, no matter what supplier they are. I think the other part to mention is this is the value of social media. So a lot of these media outlets and Procurious included, you can comment on this. And this is where the profession has to take accountability and become involved is that it's easy to make someone honest. You call them on it and you say, this actually wasn't my experience and someone can direct message me or I will post a public blog on what our experience was. And I think the more that we do that, the more honest and the more um, unbiased these media outlets will become. And I'm not saying they are biased, but just to your point is that this is the beauty of social. It's a two-way conversation and it's public but, and, and it's I'm going open. to interrupt you here. I'm going to interrupt you here because I could not more, more, more agree with you more. Uh, but the problem is that there wasn't a precarious. The problem is that the venues through which this information and the sharing of ideas, because I agree with you. Number one, let's put it this way. I think procurement pros, and I wrote this in one of the tweets yesterday, if you're following the Twitter stream, uh, I think procurement professionals have to step up to the plate and take some ownership. Mm. Uh, I don't think yes. they can sit back there anymore and say, hey, no one got, and I used this example before, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. Let's take the safe route. Yes. I think they have to step up to the plate. Uh, I also think that there is, is, is gradually being a diminishment of differentiation between one vendor to the next. I think it is becoming like the old PC days, and I don't want to date myself because I remember the old punch cards and eight-inch floppies, but it is becoming more, uh, you know, PCs at one time were unique and proprietary. I think that, you know, that we're heading the direction of PCs where, again, we, you know, there, there is a, a vanillaization, the commoditization of the industry. So technology's differentiators are, 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 are not the same. I also think the up-and-coming generation is more comfortable with technology. They're less intimidated by it. Uh, I mean, we're not mm. dealing with a, you know, a, a 256 KB green phosphorus monitor PC, uh, you know, uh, you know with, uh, with, with uh, writing on CPM, which anybody who's around, been around a long time <laughs> will know what that is. If you don't, it's probably good. But the reality is, is I think that a lot of the burden or onus falls onto the procurement profession. The problem, however, the problem, however, is that the majority of the media is originated by the service provider side. If you look at many of the authors, mm. posts, blogs, and working in that industry, they all at one time or another came or had ties to service providers. Yes. And, I, and I don't blame service mm. providers for doing that. But you are going mm. to get a slanted, biased view on that. Mm. However, and mm. I think this is important, is that now how do you connect people? And before social media, you didn't have that, that ability to connect in a real-time basis. You didn't mm. have that ability to even, even associations to connect because a lot of the associations depended heavily on service providers. If you go to any conference, how many booths in there are service providers? You, mm. Procurious, and social media, and this is where I think I'm not giving you a plug, but, I, but when you say what's right, and I agree with it, I'm going to, I guess, to a certain degree, but what you're saying is right, is now through social media, there is no excuse for procurement professionals to have to listen to anyone. Like at the end of almost you know, a lot of my blog posts, I write, do not take my word for this. You have to do yes. it yourself. And that's the whole point. My job is to stimulate discussion. My job is to create a, de a debate, to provide you with information, well-researched, responsibly researched, certainly thought-provoking, mm. but to stimulate discussion. But at the end of the day, you have to take what you read from anyone, and you can't just accept it blindly. You have to challenge it. No. And that's really the mm. key about what Procurious, I think, provides. Mm. So correct me if I'm wrong on that. Did I miss the mark? 
No, I think that's exactly right. And being an open network, anyone can post. I mean, you know, the software provider can post information themselves. You know, we can write a blog. And, you know, that's the beauty of being open. It's not a uh, academic journal. It's not, uh, you know, we're not trying to have opinion pieces. We're trying to have a place where everyone can share their information and then people can... Uh, make their decisions or opinions from there. All right. So I've got one last question for you because the whole time has flown by here, which means, of course, I'm going to have to have <laughs> you on the show again very soon. I hope you'll come back. Maybe what we'll do is we'll I would have love you be to. the host. Maybe you'll be the host and I'll be the guest. Oh, I, I would like love that. to do that. I would love um, that. One question I'll for have you. to do a now lot of research, big, What's that? Well, I'll have to talk, you know, I'll have to go back to your college days, your first job. I mean, I need to get some real scoops. What, oh, so, uh, you know, what kind of ice when cream I'm I like? When I'm interviewing you. Well, What's my favorite show? Maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you want to do a, a National Enquirer piece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, getting to know okay. you. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, I'm going to hold you to that. One last question. Now that you've done the Big Idea Summit, are you going yes. to do another one? Yes. So it's going to be around the same time next year? It will be, but this is a very busy time of year, isn't it? I mean, you've got the ISM conference. Cooper has their Inspire conference. Um, we have our big uh, CPO forum in Australia. That's next week. I'm flying out on Saturday. So, you know, there's there's quite a busy global procurement agenda uh, for these conferences. So it'll be there. Actually, we picked the date. I'm... I'm um, I know the date. It's Thursday the 23rd of March. And we're also, John, thinking about going global. Um, so we're going to look at having one-day uh, Procurious Unplugged events in Chicago, Dubai and Singapore, as well as the big ideas in London and CPI Forum Melbourne. And there's two reasons for that. We think that our community wants to get the opportunity to meet each other, so it's not just all online. And um, secondly, we think there's a gap. We love all these conferences that are um, currently on. We love promoting them and the speakers, but we think that um, there is a space to talk about innovation and what's coming up next and how leadership needs to evolve to manage that. So that's really what these Procurious Unplugged events will be about. Okay, so let me know. I'm going to definitely plug in, and, and I had an invitation actually to come out, uh, and, and maybe yes, next time my did. schedule will be conducive, because we've never met. And you're, you're right. No. It's always nice to put a face to it. Well, okay, I've seen your face. That's you've seen right. mine. By the way, I'm, I'm yes. 6'4 with a full head of hair. So <laughs> I like to say <laughs> I have a face for middle. radio. I, I, I like to say I have a face <laughs> for radio, which is true. But uh, television, not so much. So anyway. Yes, uh, so no, Thursday, the 23rd of March. And thank you for your time. Okay, and you take care. And, of course, to you listeners, thank you so much for your time. As always, uh, I want to remind everybody that this show has been taped in its entirety and will be available to you on an on-demand basis. Until we come at you over these virtual airwaves, again, I remain your host as always, John Hansen. Have a great day. Bye for now. (laughs) 